If you would, take your Bibles this morning and turn to Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. Continuing our series uh, this week, God's Power on Display in Man. And this morning we're going to talk about the value of dry bones. Well, so far in our series, um, we have seen how Samson destroyed the Philistines by pushing down the pillars of the temple. And then we saw how Elijah challenged wicked King Ahab, Queen Jezebel, and all the wicked prophets of Baal as he called down fire from heaven. Then we're reminded last week of David and Goliath and really just another side of the story and how that, well, it's not always being very good with a slingshot. Sometimes it's God moving the opponent. And uh, we saw how the stone hit Goliath in the forehead and knocked him down and he was slain. And today we're going to see God's power as he restores life to a valley of dry bones. So the message is really quite simple message. In fact, God tells us his purpose in doing what he did essentially to remind the people that he is the Lord. And I think that's really part of everything that God does. His purpose is to remind us who he is. And if we're kind of intelligent about it, it kind of also reminds us who we are not, right? I mean, sometimes we have a kind of a big idea of how good we are or how smart we are or how brilliant we can do things. And yet we're just continuously reminded of how great God is and how great we are not. So the text is really divided into two sections. Verses 1 through 11 represent the prophecy as told by Ezekiel, and verses 12 through 14 represent the explanation of the prophecy. Now there's a bigger picture involved here in, as, in what we call eschatology, the end time events. We're not really going to get into that this morning. What I really want to highlight this morning is God's power on display, as we've been doing through this series. So in just a moment, I'd like to read... Chapter 37, verses 1 through 14, and then we'll get into the story this morning for a few moments. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit and sent me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There was a great many of them on the surface of the valley, and they were very dry. Then he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I replied, Lord God, only you know. He said to me, prophesy concerning these bones, and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you, and you will live. I will put tendons on you, and make flesh grow on you, and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, so that you come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. This is the first time he uses that phrase. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Verse 7, he says, So I prophesied as I had been commanded. While I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. As I looked, tendons appeared on them, flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. He said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, say to it, This is what the Lord God says. Breathe. Or breath, come from the four winds and breathe into these slain so that they may live. So I prophesied as he had commanded me. The breath entered them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Look how they say our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says. I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them, my people, and lead you into the land of Israel. 
And here's the second time he says it in verse 13. You will know that I am the Lord. My people, when I open your graves and bring you out from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in, settle you in your land. And then number three, then you will know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it. This is the declaration of the Lord. <clears throat> this last week while I was gone, I had the opportunity uh, to run into a few visitors I'd never met before. And just as I was talking with them, they asked me what I do for a living. Well, oftentimes I don't just kind of blab, blab out that I'm a pastor, I'm a preacher, because sometimes that kind of gives a turn off. And uh, I'd rather just look at me as just a normal guy. And if they talk to me, then I talk to them back. Well, as I got to talking with them, they said, so what do you do? I said, well, I'm a pastor. Oh, really? So uh, how does that work? And I began to tell them some of the things that I do and some of the things that happen during a typical week. And, you know, got to talking about the messages that we prepare every Sunday morning. And he kind of looks at me and he says, so what are you going to speak on this coming Sunday? And I said, oh, I'm talking about the Valley of Dry Bones that are going to come to life. He said, well, what do you mean by that? Why, well, it's just exactly what it says in God's Word is that there's a valley of dry bones. There's bones everywhere. They're on the surface. They're dried out. They're skeletons. And God's going to bring them back to life. And he goes, you don't really believe that it's going to take place, do you? Well, I said, of course I do. He goes, well, how can you believe that? And I said, well, if I don't believe every part of the book, then why should I believe any of the book? And if I don't believe one part of the book, who gets to decide what parts are true and what parts are not true? Does it come down to everyone's opinion? Well, I believe this part, but not this part. Well, I believe that part, but I don't believe this part. Where does it start? Where does it stop? And I said, I absolutely take God's word at face value, and I believe that it happens to be true. So the question this morning is, a question that God asked Ezekiel. And we're going to look at that question in just a moment, but let's first look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your word and, Lord, how it applies to our hearts and our lives. Lord, instruction for how we're to live for you, Lord, but Lord, also those reminders of how we can faithfully just look to you and learn from it, Lord, that we may apply it to our lives. But, Lord, it's an example of how we need to trust you more, how we need to have faith in you and what you alone can do. And I ask, God, that you would work in all of our situations here this morning, Lord. I'm certain, Lord, looking around the congregation, there are so many things that people are going through that no one else knows about, but you do. And, Lord, I just pray that you give us a reminder this morning of how powerful you are and what you're, you, what you're able to do in a heart and a life who has faith and trust in you, Lord, and who will act in obedience. And I ask God you speak to our hearts this, this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we get into the story, God asks Ezekiel this question in verse 3. Right away in verse 3 he says, Then he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Can these bones live? Now just for a moment, can you imagine... That question. Uh, I believe there's a picture here, and you can see, as it were, a valley full of skeletons. Can you imagine the picture, the, the, the process that's going through Ezekiel's mind as you're looking out across a field of bones that are just scattered across the surface of the earth? And all of a sudden he looks at him and he asks him a question Can these bones live? What would be your response? What would you, how would you think that through and process it if God were to ask you that question? There's no way. I mean, the bottom line is we would say that's not going to happen, right? Um, how would you respond? Is it logical? No. Is it realistic? Is it likely? Is it foreseeable? No. And you look at all these circumstances and 
I don't really want to say the wrong answer. I mean, after all, this is God asking the question. I don't want to irritate God. And at the same time, all these other realities are coming through my mind, right? And as it would yours as well. But for a moment, let's go from factual to practical. The factual is this. I could ask you this question this morning, as we've asked several times throughout this series. Is there anything God can't do? Yes or no? Right. So factually, we know that God is all-powerful. I mean, God is able to do anything that, we, that we'd expect that God to be able to do. I mean, he's, he's God, right? I mean, there's nothing God can't do. He's powerful. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. And he's omnipresent. And he's every, I, mean, there's this, I mean, we could go through all the facts, all the data of all that we know about who God is from God's Word. And we say, is there anything God can't do? Absolutely not. That's the factual. But what about the practical? I know God is able, but will he? That's another whole question, isn't it? And oftentimes it's not a matter of whether or not he has the ability to. It's the matter of whether or not I trust and have faith that he will. And we see that lived out throughout several places in Scripture. Um, We've talked about many times as Jesus came back into his hometown. And he said he did not many mighty works there because of what? Their unbelief. It wasn't that he didn't have the power to. Well, they didn't really expect him to, so guess what? If you don't expect God to work, you won't be disappointed. So the reality is we know what God is capable of doing, but do we really believe that he's going to work? And this is one of those questions that sometimes we're challenged and we're faced with. It's a challenge of our faith and trust. What kind of faith and trust do we have in God? I don't know about you, but I've had times where it's been, whoa, God can do anything. And then there's other times where I've said, I just don't know where God is in this. I just don't see his hand. I don't see his presence. And I know there's oftentimes this fact that I've always clung to. It's not God who moves. It's me. God is still God in heaven, right? I mean, he didn't leave the throne of heaven. So if I'm not sensing his presence, I wonder where I'm at in my walk with him. God's still there. And I remember going through times when I was in college, and I don't know if you've ever been in this situation before, but I mean, there are times that I wake up and I say, God, I just need $3 to wash a load of clothes. Come on. I mean, I'm in college here. My parents are in Minnesota. I'm in Wisconsin. I don't have enough cash. I just, I just, I just want some cash. And I just say, Lord, got them dirty clothes. Need them washed. Boom. Go down to my mailbox. I didn't say anything to anybody. Didn't talk to anybody. Nobody else. Oh, maybe they knew. I don't know. But uh, bottom line is, I didn't say anything to anybody. And I'd go see the, see my mailbox, and there'd be a, just an envelope with some cash in it. I said, Thank you, Lord. And I have to admit, there's been a couple times when I was in college where I just really did want to go home. We had a policy at my college. If you didn't pay the bill, guess what? You get to go home. There was none of this grants and, and, and loans and, and, and all these other things. It's like, you, you pay as you go. And if you don't have it, you got a two-week grace period. And if you didn't come within those two weeks, you had to go home. Didn't matter if it was finals. I have to be honest with you. There were a couple times I got excited about going home. I didn't have the money for the bill. And just at the last minute... God would come through. And uh, there'd be a note in my box, your bill's paid. I don't know how it happened. But I know that if God wanted me there, it's his bill. Bottom line. So I look back and there's times in my life where I was just concrete, confident that God was going to do something great. And then there's been those times where I say, God, where are you? And I just, my faith has wavered. And I have to think back to this question. He says in verse 3, Son of man, can these bones live? Well, I don't know. It's not really, you know, logical. It's not realistic. 
It's not likely. It's not foreseeable. But isn't that how God works sometimes? So it's a challenge of faith and trust, but it's also a challenge of our obedience. Because you'll find out in this passage here that it didn't just stop with a question. You see the following, he says, He said to me, prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now wait a minute, we're talking about a valley of bones. Skeletons laying across the surface of the earth. Last time I checked, skeletons didn't have ears. Last time I checked, they didn't have nose to breathe. I mean, they're just bones. They're dry. They're gone. And he says, I want you to speak to these bones. Once again, beyond the question to what is reality? I'm supposed to speak to bones? Really? Um, is, anyone, is anyone else hearing this? Maybe... Maybe I need some medicine. I'm just missing something. But the reality is, God was speaking to him. And he had a choice to make right then and there. And let me just tell you, every time God speaks to you, you have a choice to make. Every time God speaks to you, you have a choice to make. You can either do what he says, or you can disregard it. And if you disregard it, there's consequences for that. But if you do what he says, there's blessings of that. It's a challenge of our obedience. But what was his answer? Lord, only you know that. I think it's a pretty safe answer. I don't want to, get, I don't want to irritate him, don't want to upset him, I don't want to show him that I don't have faith, but God, only you know the answer to that one. But you'll find that he obeyed. He obeyed. In Deuteronomy 32, 39, it says, See now that I alone am He. There is no God but me. I bring death and I give life. I wound and I heal. No one can rescue anyone from my power. See, God holds death and life in His hand. God holds it all in His hand. And He wants us to trust Him. He wants us to follow Him. He wants us to do what He says. So, in these three specific texts, why does he do this? Well, he says right away in verse 6, Then you will know that I am the Lord. And at first I thought, well, who's he talking to? Who is he talking to here? Is he talking to Ezekiel? He's talking to the bones. Look at this. He says to me, verse 4, Prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, say to the bones, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. And I will put tendons on you and make flesh to grow on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, these bones, so that you come to life. Then you, these bones, will know that I am the Lord. Isn't that amazing? That God is telling Ezekiel to speak to these bones, and these bones, as they come alive, are going to know who God is. Whew. Think about that. So that's the first time. And then he goes on. Let's jump down to verse 11. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. 
Here's the eschatology part I was telling you about. We're not going to get into a lot of that. But look how they say our bones are dried up. Our hope has perished. We are cut off. I mean, they're dead. They're gone. They're non-existent. They're no more. And yet God says, I'm going to bring you to life. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says. I'm going to open your graves and bring you up out from them, my people, and lead you into a land of Israel. Who's he still talking to? That's right. You will know that I am the Lord, my people, when I open your graves and bring you up from them. He says, I'm going to do something spectacular. Something that you don't see every day. Something that no one else can do. Because he's God. He's God. And you know what I find is that God can do what no one else can. Do you believe that? All four of you? Do you believe it, church? God can do what no one else can do. And we have to understand that. If we go by what is reality, it doesn't make sense. If I go by what is logical, it doesn't make sense. If I go by what is foreseeable, it doesn't make sense. But God doesn't operate the way we do. It says His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways, right? So He reminds us of. Because He's able to do what we can't. And then He goes on to say, after He does this, when I open your graves and bring you out from them, I will put my Spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord. He says over and over, you bones are going to come to life. I'm going to breathe breath into your soul, or into your life. You're going to breathe and you're going to have a soul in your spirit. I'm going to put you back in your land. And you're going to know that I am the Lord. And I'm reminded over and over, God does everything he does for a purpose. And that purpose is so that people will know that he is the Lord. It doesn't matter if people know who we are, Right? doesn't really matter about Ezekiel. doesn't really matter you know, whether you're a leader in church or just someone that sits in a pew. It doesn't, we don't matter. It's God who needs to be seen through everything that he does. Amen? Then he goes on and says, I have spoken and I will do it. He's a faithful God. He'll do all that he promises to do. Whether we see it or not, whether we believe it or not, he's going to do what he says he's going to do. Notice Ezekiel's response, verse 7. Let's go back there just for a moment. God gave him a command, and he had a choice to make. Either do it or don't. What was his choice? Verse 7 says, So I prophesied as I had been commanded. While I was prophesying, there was a noise rattling a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. Can you imagine? I mean, just seriously, just you can't make this stuff up. Put your mind back in this scenario just for a moment. This is better than any Marvel comic. He's sitting there talking to a bunch of dry bones laying across the surface of the earth, and he's doing what God told him to do, and all of a sudden these bones begin to rattle and shake. Anybody ready to go? Talk about this zombie apocalypse coming all back over again, right? All of a sudden there's noise, the rattling of bones. All of a sudden these bones are starting to 
pop back together. However that, however that works. I'll grill a glue something. I don't know. They're all coming together. And all of a sudden, what God had said would happen is starting to happen. I mean, that's crazy. Verse 8, As I looked, tendons appeared on them. Flesh grew. Skin covered them. But there's no breath yet. God is beginning to put these bones together. Can you imagine just watching this unfold? I mean, one of two things are going to happen. You're going to be awestruck and sitting there and can't leave and you're breathless. Or you're running for your life because you're scared to death. There's no in-between here. But as I looked, tendons appeared, flesh grew, skin covered, but there's no breath. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, say to it. This is what the Lord God says, breath come from the four winds and breathe into these slain so that they may live. And then again, well, God, you told me to do something the first time and it happened. I think I'll, I think I'll obey again. So he does it. Verse 10, so I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath entered them and they came to life and stood there on their feet. And what's it say? A vast army. Can you imagine I mean, just a few moments prior, it was a valley full of bones that were dried out and nothing. And just in a matter of moments, he does what God tells him to do. And God begins to bring life into these dead bones. Ezekiel didn't hesitate, he didn't argue, he simply obeyed. Kind of a good question to ask ourselves. When God asks us to do something, whether we can understand it or not, how often do we hesitate doing it? How many of you are kind of like those, close your ears, Mike, but engineer types, they have to. <laughs> Does that all have to work out? Do you have to see how it all is going to play out? And because of it, you hesitate because you don't know what's going to happen? Why not just take the step? Maybe you argue. Well, <laughs> Lord, it's not normal. It's not, no, this, this, no, no, it's not going to happen. But we forget that what God says is going to happen will happen. Either with us or without us, it'll happen. Do you trust them? See, it takes trust when you can't see how it's going to play out. And that, by the way, goes for every circumstance of life. Our jobs. How often, let me just throw this out there for what it's worth. We can't stand our jobs, but we're securing it so we don't take a step of faith when God offers something else. We're too scared. Or we have a sickness and an illness. And you want it to work out, but it's just not sure how it's going to work out, so we just do nothing. Because we can't see it. And God's saying, take a step. Or how about even sharing our faith? God prompts you and puts on your heart to speak to somebody. 
and you're scared, so you just don't. And there's a thousand other circumstances you can put in there. And God's saying, just trust me. I'll do what I say I'm going to do. Philippians 1.6, being confident of the very thing that he who starts a good work in you will what? Complete it. Do you trust him? Is he able to do what he says? Of course he is. He's God. But you have to trust him. Ezekiel had a choice. God, come on, really? They're bones. This doesn't make sense. But he obeyed. He chose to obey. So tendons appeared, flesh grew, skin covered, and God gave life and he formed a vast army of those who were once dead. And what we find out in verses 11 through 14 in closing is that God will fulfill his purposes. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. He's, he explains the prophecy. These bones represent Israel. He says, Look how they say our bones are dried up. Our hope has perished. We are cut off. And I think there's times in our lives when God is calling us to action. He's calling us to obedience where we feel just like that, that our hope is gone. What else can I do? Where else can I go? Who else can I talk to? What other decision can I make? I just don't know. I think there are many times that those questions come right before the call of action. And God is saying, will you trust me? Will you take the step? We see, look how our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We're cut off. Verse 12, therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says. I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them, my people, and lead you into the land of Israel. You will know that I am the Lord, my people, when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it. This is the declaration of the Lord. Can and does God do the illogical, the unrealistic, the unlikely, the unforeseeable? Resounding yes over and over again. Who would have thought that Samson would have destroyed so many Philistines with a jawbone? Is that the weapon of your choice? Not mine. I still like guns. I think they work far better than bones. Just saying. How about Elijah? Would you want to go against wicked King Ahab and Queen Jezebel and all the prophets of Baal by calling down fire from heaven? I mean, sure, it'd be a great show, but I still like guns. Just saying. If I'm going to war, I want to win. I don't know how fireworks coming from heaven. I've never seen that before, but I know how bullets work. How about David going against Goliath? Stones, really? Still like guns, bullets. <laughs> they work in battle. 
How about Gideon? Pitchers, trumpets, torches. Kind of still on the gun side. I don't know. I mean, just it's logical. How about Moses going against Pharaoh? A rod, a staff in your hand? No, I still kind of like some other weapons of choice. See, yes, over and over again, God uses what is illogical, what's unrealistic, what is often unlikely and often what is unforeseeable to accomplish his purposes. Does God give us opportunities to increase our faith and our trust? Does God give us opportunities to act in obedience to his will? Yes, over and over again. And like Ezekiel, ours is not to hesitate or argue. It's to trust and obey. So I don't know what battle you're in. I don't know what call to action God may be working in your life for you to act upon. But I know that he gives us opportunities over and over again to exercise our faith and trust in him and to take that step of obedience. Over and over, he does that. And we have a choice to make. Either take the step knowing that God will complete it or stay back and miss the blessings of what God might have done. But I chose not to trust him. chose not to obey. Every day God gives us those opportunities and the little things, the big things. Every day I have a choice whether I want to wake up and be rude to my wife or to show her love. Some days I win, some days I lose. It's a difference, my selfishness. Every day I have an opportunity to do for the Lord what he's called me to do in sharing my faith. Some days I accomplish that, some days I don't. Every day is another day to say, God, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me and help me to live for you today? Every day is a fresh start. His mercies are new every day. Aren't you thankful for that? Don't you praise God that he's the one that's going to accomplish the work in us, not ourselves? Because if it's up to us, we'd fail over and over again miserably. What lesson does God want you to learn from the story? What is it that he wants you to take from it? How does God want you to respond to the fact that he's powerful? And he's given us opportunities to trust him and to walk in obedience and to see him at work. As long as I just cling to myself and my own abilities, my own skills, my own talents, my own thoughts, I'm going to miss out on what God wants to do in and through me. Let's pray.